Welcome to the Happy Hangout. We're back for part two with my interview with Christina Glacken. Christina was forced into human trafficking and she's sharing her story of redemption. This is something you don't want to miss. Let's get started. I wasn't going to take my own life, but I remember wanting to die. And I told God, I was like, do not make me wake up tomorrow. I'm done. I can't do this. Don't make me wake up tomorrow. And then I laid down. And every time I laid down, it felt like I couldn't breathe even more to the point where I was like, okay, God, I get it. Like, you can take my life. I was like, I don't want to die. I was like, but please don't. Like, if I wake up tomorrow, you have to do this. I was like, that's the thing. If you make me wake up tomorrow, fine. But I'm not doing it anymore. Like, you have to. I'm done. And and there was a lot more colorful words <laughs> added to that. Um I mean, I was just, I, I was so convinced that God hated me. And, you know, at that point, the feeling was kind of mutual because my life sucked. <laughs> it was, it was miserable. And I would see these people that had happiness and joy. And I was like, where, like how and why? And why can't I have that? And I was struggling with bulimia and all these other things because I had, I was turning to anything and anything anything and everything for any type of release, any type of just momentary peace. And that night changed everything. And I woke up the next day and I just remember, I just remember being like, what is this? Like, I, I just felt this like love and I felt like hope and joy. And, and now I have words for it. I didn't have any words for it that morning. And I just remember I was pacing back and forth in, in the spare bedroom of my house. It was the room that I would go into to smoke marijuana. And I was pacing back and forth. And I was just like, God, I was like, you heard me. I was like, you heard me. I was like, I don't even know how to pray. I was like, but how do I pray now? I'm like, oh my goodness. And I knew because I had never even felt a sliver of that ever. And at that point, this was March of 2013. So it was 24 yeah, I was 24, or almost 24 at the time, and um, I don't know, my math is off right now, <laughs> March of 2013, and, and then I, I just remembered that the, this plaque that was on my wall growing up, <laughs> and it had the Lord's Prayer on it. My grandmother had bought it for me, because when I was born, my umbilical cord was around my neck, my body was gray, my fingernails were black, they thought that I was dead. So, you know, that wasn't a good start. Um, and I was born 11 minutes after midnight, making it Friday the 13th. So my grandma was very superstitious. And she's like, well, here's this, this plaque with the Lord's Prayer. This is going to keep you safe. Um, <laughs> and so I read that all growing up because when I got grounded, which was often, I was grounded to my bed. And so I would just read it and I had it memorized. And so that day when I was like, God, I don't know how to pray. Like I remembered that plaque. And so I, I just started to say the Lord's prayer over and over and over again. Cause I didn't realize that me just talking to him was a prayer. Cause I didn't go to church. Nobody ever taught me anything about God. And because of that, I didn't start going to church right away either. I spent about six months just reading different scriptures and watching all these YouTube sermons and trying to figure out, okay, so who's Jesus? What is the Holy Spirit? Like, and, and then there's the father. So which one is God? And I'm like, I don't know anything about anything, but I wanted to know everything because I was like this, this love. And every day that I woke up, I was like, 
okay, it's still here. Okay, it's still here. And I have not had a single panic attack since that night. <laughs> not one single panic attack. It's been almost eight years now. And so I started to just seek him like I needed him more than I needed breath because I do. <laughs> I still do. And I've gone through so many trials since then, but God has been so faithful. His peace hasn't left me. I mean, immediately. So I got baptized in August, 2013. Within a week, I was hospitalized with pancreatitis and I was in the ICU for seven days. And so <laughs> that was hard, but his peace didn't leave me. And then all of my desires started to change. I didn't want to drink anymore. I didn't want to smoke marijuana anymore. Things that I never felt like were wrong, I didn't want to do. I didn't want to have sex until I was married anymore. And I'm like, I don't know why, but like it just made me feel like I didn't need it because I no longer could justify those things. Because the reason I was seeking those things wasn't there anymore. I didn't have that same need. God met every single need that I had. And so... <laughs> everything started to change. And I remember wanting to be celibate. And then I got pregnant with my daughter. <laughs> and so it's like, whoops. And then I, I had this, this moment of, man, God, nobody is going to take me seriously in my walk. Everyone's going to think that I'm not really a Christian. And I remember having these thoughts of like, well, maybe I shouldn't keep my baby because then, then, because, because, if I do, then they're just going to think that I'm faking it. And, but I'm not faking it, God, because I know you really love me. I know you really changed me. And then he gave me this dream about what abortion was. So it doesn't matter if you're 14 weeks pregnant or they're 14 years old. He saw it exactly the same. And so I was like, okay, God, I was like, well, maybe, maybe like you could just take my baby because, you know, like you're God, you can do that. And gosh, I woke up. December 3rd, my mom's birthday, it was 6.15 a.m. And I passed this huge blood clot. And then I remember just collapsing on the bathroom floor and I was begging God. I was like, God, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Like, please let me keep my baby. I was like, what is going on? And so I go to the hospital and the whole time I'm just crying and praying and feeling so horrible about even having that thought. And I get there and there was a heartbeat. And I just remember being like, okay, God. And then they told me there was a 50% chance that I would lose my baby. And um, I had never fought harder for something in my life. And when I look back, it's like, God is like, that's how hard I fought for you. That's how hard I fought for your life. I continued to bleed constantly through the pregnancy. I ended up being hospitalized. I was on bed rest before um, I was far enough along to where they could hospitalize me at 21 weeks. And um, then I was in the hospital on bed rest. They had to stop my, they had to stop my um, labor multiple times because when you bleed, you contract and my placenta was ripping away. And my son had to go stay with a host family because his dad lived out of state and um, there was no one to care for him. So he stayed with a host family through safe families, which they were amazing. Um, still keep in contact with them. God is so good. <laughs> um, but I ended up completely abrupting and hemorrhaging at 26 weeks in one day. And, um, you know, 
the nurses told me later, they're like, you were a dusty color. We had so much blood loss. Oh we didn't know if you were going to pull through. Um, but yeah, she was born one pound, 15 ounces. Her name is Faith. And um, she's like the absolute sweetest girl in the entire world. Um, she just had a well child visit today. She's in the 99th percentile for her height. <laughs> she is four foot six and she's six years old. <laughs> she towers over all the kids in her class. She's a miracle. You know, there was um, a, a long journey from that point and a lot of therapy. Um, she's got spina bifida occulta and a fatty tumor on her spine and she's got sensory processing disorder and all these other things, but she is incredible. Um, and God kept my peace through all of that. It never left. I went through all of that and still no panic attacks. You know, he's so faithful. And um, so often we can get caught up in what happens to us. Um, and, and what's happening around us dictates our joy. But it shouldn't. <laughs> because there's a joy so much greater than circumstances. And something God always reminds me is take your eyes off of the crisis and put your eyes on who Christ is. Look at what he has done. Remember everything I've seen you through and let it build your faith. Let it just transform you. And I'm just like, okay, God, even this morning, my daughter was telling me how this girl at school, whenever she talks to her, her friend, um, she doesn't, she doesn't listen to her when she's talking. I said, well, sweetie, sometimes the people we want to be our friends really aren't very good friends to us. And, and they just aren't gonna, you know, aren't gonna listen. And she said, no, everybody in my class is my friend. <laughs> you know, she's, she's just got this huge heart of compassion. I said, yeah, sweetie, but she can be your friend, but maybe just not a, a good friend who's going to listen. And she ran over to me and she wrapped her little arms around me and she goes, well, mommy, I'm so glad that I have you because you always listen to me. And, and you know, being the mom that I needed growing up to these two little kids <laughs> is the greatest gift. Mm -hmm watching how my son even cares for my daughter, how they have the freedom to be themselves, how, you know, like that's all God. God's taught me that by the way he loves me. And even this morning after she did that, I was like, God, thank you so much for my daughter. Thank you that she sees that. Thank you for making me a mom that, um, that she's grateful for. And God was like, just put on my heart, you know, all the times where there's nobody for you to turn to, I'm always here too. And I was just started crying. I'm like, yeah, because he is our example. He is our example in, in the way that we should love. And um, he never runs out. So again, I'm hoarding his love, right? Um, and now, <laughs> flash forward all of these years and all of the healing and all of the growth. And God has used me to share my story at almost 100 events has used me to, to be an advocate for survivors of human trafficking. I, I I've gone to IEP meetings um, to be that person for a young girl who was trafficked when everybody else was just critiquing her behaviors, but I could see through it. And I get to be that woman for them. And I get to raise awareness on trafficking because people think that you're just walking down the street and they snatch you up and put you in the trunk or in the white van. And 
that's just not what it looks like. And now it's even more challenging because of the internet girls that have vulnerabilities and young boys too that have vulnerabilities they're they're targeted the man who trafficked me spent so much time listening to my life story listening for what it is that i need he spent so much time grooming me and that's how he knew i was a prime candidate to be trafficked but what he didn't know was that I really was stubborn <laughs> and that I wasn't going to just give in and lay down in it. But there are so many right now that are being trafficked and they don't have that, that stubbornness, that will to live, that, that desire to fight back. It's the way that I was created. And the first time I heard the statistic that only 2% of trafficking survivors or trafficking victims survive. I knew in that moment, I was like, okay, I owe my life to them to lay it down so that I can, I can raise awareness that people can see them and that people are going to fight for them for their freedom because they don't have the strength to do it. And for me, what it looks like is being vulnerable, is opening up about my experience and raising awareness and letting people know those, the, the teenagers in your life, even if you don't feel like they should be broken, maybe you don't feel like their trauma is actually trauma. Here's the thing. It's still a vulnerability. So don't ever make them feel like they're attention seeking. Love them. Meet those needs. Because then it the trafficker doesn't have an in. We've got to meet the vulnerabilities no matter how great, you know, so I had a multitude of vulnerabilities. Some, some girl, maybe her vulnerability is just she doesn't feel like her parents spend enough time with her. That can be a vulnerability. And a trafficker can use that to turn her against her parents and make her think that he's the only one that she has. We have to start meeting those needs and really listening to our children to our neighbors, to our students, to the kids in youth group. You know, we have to pay attention to them. We have to see them before a predator does. And I know that the fact that I'm still here means that I have a purpose. And if I still have a purpose after everything I've gone through, they still have a purpose because God still sees them. But see, we, we are his body. We're supposed to be moving. We're supposed to be doing something. No one can do everything. And of course, you know, somebody listening might be like, well, I want to get involved, but I don't have your story, so I can't go share it and raise awareness. Well, of course, right? But what other, what resource do you have? Do you have the time to raise awareness? Do you have the time to put on conferences? Do you have the time to write your, your state officials? Do you have the, the resources, do you have the finances to, to donate to some of these organizations that are dedicated to rehabilitating survivors of trafficking, or even the organizations that, that go in and have these sting operations to try and, and save these girls? You know, what, what do you have? And if you don't think you have any resources, do you have the ability to pray? Because God hears us. And if, if you can't do it, but you're praying and asking God to, to raise somebody else up, well, he's going to hear that. There is 
something that all of us can do. And what it looks like may just be loving that, that young girl that you see outside by herself all the time. Taking your time out of your day to let her know that you see her. Because I think about so often how I want to be the woman that I needed. We can all be that. Because there are a lot of little Christinas out there. <laughs> and you know, my childhood was awful. But if somebody would have taken the time to love me, it may have changed everything. Ooh, so yes, that is my story. <laughs> um, I have yeah. some questions. Um, yes. I think some questions that maybe people, you know, might be interested in knowing because um, I'm just so thankful that you're open to sharing your story, you know, and yeah. I am so thankful that you're so stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think one of the questions is what's your relationship like with your mom now? Yeah. I love her so much. Um, we talk regularly. Uh, sometimes in order to love people, we have to have boundaries, but she lives six minutes away and I see her frequently when she is in need, you know, I'm, I'm there. Um, she loves her grandkids very much. She, she loves my children um, and they love her. <laughs> <laughs> they, they love her so much. It um, sounds like there's a yeah. lot of for forgiveness. Sounds like yes. you've... Yes. Yeah. Forgiveness came when I realized that the things from my childhood were not my fault. And then I also realized my mom was in a very abusive marriage. And when she got hooked on pain medication, that was her way of escaping reality. Unfortunately, my brothers and I were, were still stuck in it. But, you know, she was, she was just a victim. And she was doing the best she could with what she had. So it's been really easy to forgive her and love her now that I, I have that realization. Is she supportive in what you're doing? Yes, she is supportive. Um, she has given me her, I would not share my story if she wasn't. Um, she has given me her full blessing to write my book. Um, she's never heard me speak. And I understand it would be very That's challenging hard. for her. But she, yeah, but she knows everything that I've spoken on. Um, including even, you know, I didn't really touch on this anymore, but like the not knowing my biological father, um, I actually was able to find him. She didn't know his name. I was able to find him. God made that happen. That's, that's the whole thing. I've known him for about a year now. Um, <laughs> but even, even with that, my mom was supportive and she was there the day that I got the DNA test results with with Bill, who is my dad, they were both there, um, even though they still don't remember each other. But, you know, so she's been supportive with a lot of things along the way for as much as she can be. So, okay, back to the mall. When you met the guy at the mall that asked for your phone number. Yeah. Um, did you feel like y'all had like a friendship? I mean, you said it was a few weeks. Y'all, you know, were friends. I mean, you felt like you trusted him. He was your friend. 
felt like this is my friend. This is yeah. my buddy. There's, I mean, I feel safe going somewhere with him. And then, and you talked about, um, when things changed, did you feel like he was just a friend that you were mad at or did he feel like a stranger and something's wrong? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, no, I felt like he was a friend that I was mad at, which is why when I saw him coming, like that's when I was going off on him. Cause I'm like, what are you doing? You know, I, I felt like he was my friend and, and beyond that, to be honest, I felt like I had an upper hand on him. If anything, you know, I felt like if anything that I was the one kind of doing him wrong by using him for, you know, for free alcohol and marijuana and this, this fake ID. And I was like, well, he likes me. I felt like he had a crush on me type of thing. And that I was, I was, using that as leverage to get what I wanted is what I thought. So beyond even just thinking he was my friend, um, I thought that I had outwitted him. And yes, when, when he came down to the car, I mean, yeah, it was like just a friend that I was mad at. And I was like, like, what are you doing? We're supposed to be leaving, you know? And, um, I had no idea. Have you ever had any, run-ins with anybody from that situation or did you move away pretty quickly? Yeah. So that happened in LA. Um, and from that point, yeah, I moved away pretty quickly. So immediately, um, I didn't even have one night again in the house that I was living in. Like they wouldn't let me come back there. Um, so I immediately was living on a friend's couch named Anthony. She let me stay with her for a while. Um, yeah, never had any other encounters. What about like safety? Do you, do you worry about safety now? No. Um, no. And that's mostly because I'm not really afraid of anything anymore. God has just been so faithful, but beyond that, I don't have his actual name. Um, the name that he had given me was not his name. Um, he had a fake ID and actually showed me. I remember him showing me his ID and telling me it was fake and telling me that that's what mine would look like. So, and it was strange because I knew he was over 21. So I was like, I don't know why his ID is fake, but it had um, the name Rob Parker on it. And that's not his name. I mean, they couldn't find him anywhere um, in their databases. So I don't have any real identifying um, information. There's no real identifying information out there that, so I don't feel like I'm in danger at all. Um, it's just, if it's for so, whatever reason, yeah. It's just so Go hard ahead, to, ahead. it's just so hard to believe that someone would be at a mall knowing this is what I'm going to go do. I'm looking for someone vulnerable and I'm going to groom them and hang out with them for three weeks. And I'm going to be this fake person. It's just, it's just unfathomable that that happens. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And if you think about the fact that I was living in Las Vegas and in Las Vegas, there are these men handing out these cards saying, you know, two girls for $69. There are these big billboards on these trucks driving by advertising women for sale. And I didn't know what human trafficking was. I didn't know this was something that even happened. Um, I had no idea. 
And so even now, you know, when we look at it, and, and there has been a huge movement of awareness in the anti-trafficking world, right, that wasn't there before, because we thought trafficking, yeah, that happens overseas. And everybody thought, well, anybody who is for sale for sex here in America is a prostitute, and they want to be doing that because, you know, Americans aren't forced to do anything. And so there's been this huge shift where people are becoming aware that this is something that happens. Um, and a lot of, a lot of people, myself included at the time, have no idea that somebody could or would do this, that someone would be capable of it. Like I was touching on earlier, I thought that they may steal from me. I thought that like, that was the worst thing that might happen. Right. Um, maybe even I would be raped by this man, right? Like if, if my brain went anywhere, but I never would have thought, well, this man is going to sell me. This man is going to try and um, get me to, you know, be a prostitute for him. Like I never would have thought that it wasn't in the realm of possibilities. And to think that someone can spend their lives doing that, you know, that girl, like I talked about, she had been there for two years not there in that room, but she had been under his, his power and control for two years. And it started the same way. He groomed her. He, so how many girls had there been? How long had he been doing this for? And it was such a natural thing for him because I really believed that this was just a guy that had a thing for me and we were friends and what about the man who it's crazy the man who rescued you like how, do you have a relationship with him i mean how's that i wish i did his name was adam and that's all i know and i've thought about maybe being able to get them to pull the police records and see if his name's in there. Like I so desperately, like that's something that I want. And I believe that God's able to do it. Like I want him to see what his risk and sacrifice amounted to. I want him to be able to see that because of what he did, because of him putting his life on the line, not only am I still here, not only are my two beautiful children here, but the world's being changed because he took a chance. <laughs> and I think about too, so many people are like, oh yeah, well, I don't, I can't do that. I can't stop trafficking. You know, it's not me. God can't use me. Listen, God can use anybody. God literally used the man who came there to pay to have sex with me in order to provide my freedom. It gives God me chills. can use any of us. <laughs> yeah. He can use any of us and we can't, it's, it's not fair for us to write that off or to write ourselves off because we think we've done too many things wrong or we think that we're just not special. Here's the thing. All we have to do is be available for God. That's it. Um, and I do believe that one day I will meet this man. If God can make it to where I can find my biological father without having a name, without knowing what he looks like or anything, and God can make that happen. Well, I know what Adam looks like and I know his first name. So I've already got, you know, two steps up. <laughs> so God can definitely work with that. And I, I do believe that one day he's gonna hear my story um, and he's gonna remember. 
you know? I, I, I have to feel like his life probably was never the same either after that night or that day. I can't, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I've told so many people that, you know, just in speaking engagements, um, I've told them that there's no way he ever tried to solicit someone again. There's no way. And there are times where I'm like, I wonder if he, because I, I will have my, you know, hours that I'll sit down and try and find him online, you know, and a lot of times I'll, I'll put his first name, Beverly Hills and anti-trafficking, you know, because I'm like, I'm sure that he's, there's got to be something he's done beyond that, you know, because like we were just saying how we didn't even know that someone could do that, where we didn't know that trafficking really was a thing. Well, there's no way that Adam knew that going into it. But the second that I told him, he, <laughs> he literally saved my life. Um, so of course he has to have at some point, maybe even, I don't know, a blog or an article or something he's had to have written, right? Like it has but to be you something, think he, I, I hope. But you think in that position, that's something I'm sure he was hiding. And so yeah. from his self and for him to, true. like, once he starts sharing that, he has to open that door of himself. So I just pray that he will find yeah. in his heart to find the Lord or whatever it is that, um, that he can speak out. And I do hope you meet him one day. That would be, that would be really yes. amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I would, oh. <laughs> there's a few questions I want to ask you just, just about life. Just, uh, like, uh, yeah. things like what's, what's your favorite dessert? Mm, cheesecake. Cheesecake. <laughs> just Anything on it? New York. No, just New York plain New York cheesecake. Yes. <laughs> so who, uh, name three people in your life, um, that are big inspirations for you. Hmm. It's oh, a good question. Um, I'm going to lump both of my kids into the same group. Um, <laughs> my kids are such an inspiration. They are brave and strong and funny and creative and talented and so compassionate and you know even the days when they get on my nerves because we're together 24 7 you know they're just they are they are a huge inspiration for me to see um the way that they love I just it inspires me and of course they motivate me to want to be better every day um and I want you know, my, my ceiling to be their floor, you know, I want to just do that for them. They deserve it. They're incredible little human beings. And I want them to change the world in the way that they were supposed to. And um, yeah, so definitely my kiddos, definitely my kiddos. Um, my little brother, Blair, he, um, He's still fighting a lot of things right now, but he watched everything at home. He watched um, me dying, you know, after taking those pills and our parents not doing anything. Um, he had to lie to DHS and say everything was fine so that they didn't lose custody of, of him and my older brother. Um, he's a single dad of two. Um, 
he's a self-taught chef. <laughs> he was just a head chef at a restaurant. And I remember I've been speaking this life to him. I'm like, no, you're a chef. And he'd be like, I'm not a chef. Don't say that. He just, he's just never given up. And, you know, we haven't had anything handed to us. We've had to, we've had to fight for everything. Um, and he's doing it right now. And he'll call me and ask me to pray for him. But like, he doesn't really have a relationship with the Lord, but he, but he believes, but he's just, he's not really relying on the Lord. And so he inspires me because even on his own strength, you know, he's just, he's overcome so much. Um, I'm just really proud of him. And the third person would probably be my friend, Emily. So it's been really hard to trust people. And I've known her six years now. She was the first person in my life that would do things for me without expecting anything in return. And she was the first person that I allowed to do things for me <laughs> because it's been really hard to receive because I always felt like there were other motives involved. Um, I've watched her battle mental health issues and you know god has set me free from all of that and i have prayed over her so many times and she doesn't quite have her freedom yet and she has battled suicidal thoughts almost every day but this girl gets up every day she still is trying to seek god she is still in this this place of um just just not giving up you know She's not giving up. Um, she tried to take her life about two years ago and she had these ro rope burns because the thing broke. And, um, but she's still here and she's still fighting and, and she's still seeking God. And um, she's sober. She's been two months sober from alcohol. Um, and, you know, she's, she's doing it. She's, She's working and she's actually, and she works um, for the suicide hotline, you know, even though she is struggling herself, she is trying to help others pull themselves out. She's trying to pull other people out of the fire while she's burning herself right wow. now. And um, yeah, and she is just an incredible friend and she loves and she loves hard and she's thoughtful and she's just all of these things. And um, she inspires me every day because what people don't realize is that there are a lot, of, a lot of people in the world right now that it's hard for them just to wake up in the morning still. And I remember being in that place. And they're heroes, you know? They're getting up every day and they're fighting these thoughts and these tendencies and they are still trying to love through it you know those those people are heroes that's that's a, a cool way to to look at it i like that i like that um do you have a favorite pastor or podcast oh my gosh so many um <laughs> it's hard so it was David Wilkins for a long while. Um, Francis Chan. Uh, there's so many. Judah Smith lately has been, you know, yeah, 
I would say those are top three. It's hard for me to pick a favorite. <laughs> I, know, I can, yes, I know. I kind of flip flop and I have lots of favorites. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the season we're in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you have a name or have you thought of a name for your book that you're writing? Okay. That's such a good question. So yes. Um, I always feel like I have to give this explanation, but when the cover is done, it'll, you'll, it'll make sense. Um, so trauma queen, but it'll first say drama queen with the drama crossed out and trauma above it. Because I always felt like I was just a drama queen, but the thing was, it was the trauma, right? I love and, it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be this, this, I, I want it to be kind of a guide to understanding your teenage daughter's drama basically, you know, but, oh. and just understanding what it's stemming from. Um, and even just as women, you know, because we're like, man, why am I so dramatic? Or why do I act this way or think this way? And so it's going to really give us this, this opportunity to not just say, well, this is who I am, but look at, okay, but what happened to me? And let's go there. Let's give that to God. Let's heal that. And then the, there's going to be the whole goal is to also cross off trauma and just be the queen God made you to be. You I know? love that. That's amazing. <laughs> That's a great title. Well, I Thank am you. so thankful that you came on today. And um, is there anything else, if there's not anything else you want to tell people, then I want you to share your um, spoken word of about 2%. But is there anything else that you yes. want to tell your audience? And oh, let me tell you, let me tell them where to find you. And then we'll end with that. Okay. So the last thing I think I'll just say is God sees you. You might feel like everything around you is just dark and that there's no point and there's no hope that, that God hates you. Um, or you might feel like you've done too much, but there is no such thing. When Jesus died, he died to take on all of that so that he could give us all of him so that we can have the righteousness of Christ. So we can be new creations. Just remember to give yourself grace and mercy along the way. Be compassionate towards yourself as well. And if God has forgiven you for something, you've repented and turned from it. He threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. So you have no business remembering it either. Let that go and walk in the freedom that God's given you and walk in that, that forgiveness. And then from that place, you'll be able to start to be compassionate to the people around you. If we're supposed to love people, love our neighbors as ourselves. It does start with loving ourselves. And that's not just this, this, you know, worldly idea. It's loving ourselves how Christ loves us. And and then from there, you're able to do things like forgive your mother, you know? And so I just want to say that. Um, yeah. And then how you can find me, right? Is that the, the other question? Yes. Like how can people, can you still see me? Okay. So I know they can find you on TikTok under Christina Glacken. Did I say it right? Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Um, and, and I do want to say if you're on TikTok or thinking about getting on TikTok, follow her. I mean, it's these 15 second, 10 minute of just 
amazing um, thoughts and, and feelings. And it's, it's really cool how someone can get um, a lot of, of heart in 15 seconds to me. So they can find you there. And then I know you're on Instagram. Is It's under Christina Glacken also. Yes. Um, and I am the only Christina Glacken in America. That's kind of cool. Um, so you should be able to find me, no problem. I'm also on Facebook, also Christina Glacken. Um, and I have a website, which is ChristinaGlacken.com. So I kept it real simple across the board. That's amazing. Again, thank you for coming. And if you'll just share a little bit, maybe tell what 2% what it is. I found it on your website and it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So if you'll leave us with that, that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So 2% is a spoken word poem that I have written. I write many spoken word poems. All of them in some way, shape or form encompass the gospel. 2% though is the one that I wrote in regards to trafficking. So yes, this is a, this piece is, is pretty powerful. And um, I really hope that it just touches and inspires anyone who hears it. So yeah, I will, I will go ahead and do that. What comes to mind when you hear the term 2%? Is it the type of milk you prefer to drink or the typical charge on your cell phone battery or like me how sure you are about the outfit that you're wearing two percent could be the amount of food you eat that's actually considered healthy and at the same time the amount of body fat you wish you had but let's just go over some fun facts only two percent of the population have green eyes only two percent of americans are mixed with two or more races only two percent of abortions are considered non-elective and only two percent of human trafficking victims will ever live to share their story and only about two percent of that two percent will ever have the strength to speak and then there's me and as part of that 2%, I owe it to the 98 to say what they can't, to say, help me, slavery still exists. And that girl you see in porn is probably being raped, even though she's not being held down by her wrists. As she's being taped, she's being held down by risk. The risk of saying, no, please don't beat me anymore. I don't want to be drugs again. Please stop starving me. The risk of starvation, the risk of standing up when she's being forced to lay down, and that risk is death. Not that she's currently living, but she still has breath and a hope that one day she'll leave the 98 and join the two, that she will not die as a victim, but live as a survivor. See her hear her. I was her. And I have hope that maybe those odds will change. Maybe minds will change. Maybe you will hear me telling you I only lived it for a week, but nightmares do come true. And thank God he saved me through the hands of a human. Oh, and you are a human whose hands God would like to use. You are a human whose ears God would like to use. You are a human whose eyes God would like to open. Because we're so deaf and so blind by our own lives that we can't even see the 98. And they are the majority. I'm nothing but a minority, but you can hear me because I'm sitting right in front of you. 
against all odds, maybe a divine plan to set captives free, but will you hear me? I wasn't saved in vain. I have a name and it's 2%. And thank God I'm now 100% sure that I still have a purpose to serve, but will you see her just as you see me? And please do something. Wow, what a testimony. Thank you, Christina. If you would like to invite Christina to be a speaker at your event, you can find her information in the show notes or at christinaglacken.com. You guys go out and have a blessed day and be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on some amazing inspirational stories.